0: Welcome to Unwanted Guests, the podcast that teaches you about insects and other pests that may join you in and around your home. It's brought to you by Texas A&M AgriLife Extension and the Texas A&M Department of Entomology. We're your hosts, Wizzy Brown,
1: Robert Puckett,
0: Molly Keck, and Janet Hurley we are going to be talking two different things today one is going to kind of lead into the other so the first one we're going to start talking about is the asian ladybird beetle which is the harmonia beetle i'm sure everyone is very familiar with this but it is going to be a beetle that was actually introduced on purpose into the united states In 1988, so through the 1960s and the 1990s, the Department of Agriculture wanted to establish these ladybugs in the U.S. to control various agricultural pests that were on crops. So they were introduced in a lot of the southern states, and the beetles took off from there. They're ladybugs, so they're beneficial. They do feed on aphids, which is great. But there are some downfalls that really either weren't well documented or researched maybe or um, just unforeseen. So this has led to issues for various people of them causing issues. So I know I get questions a lot of times when people see them in their landscape, they're just like, well, should I kill these?" And my answer is always no because if they're in the landscape and they're eating aphids, then they're doing what they're supposed to do. I mean, do you guys agree or am I completely off my rocker?
1: I totally agree. You know, like all the ladybird beetles, I mean, they're like little lions of the backyard. You know, they're predators at every life stage. They're whacking aphids and other uh, small pest insects. So yeah, i say let them go. And the problem is for most people, they might find it difficult to identify the invasive species from our native
0: species. How do you tell these ladybugs from the other ladybugs?
1: They have an interesting uh, coloration pattern on their pronotum. And depending on what direction. Okay, wait a minute.
0: For those non-bug people, what is a pronotum?
1: Well, it's the uh, exoskeleton structure just behind the head, just in front of the elytra or the hardened forewings of beetles, the little flaps that pop up before they fly. So there's a little plate just behind their head.
2: Behind the head, as opposed to the behind. It's like a collar, kind of. You're saying if I was looking at my lady beetle from the top, it's mm-hmm. like neck range, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so just the little plate that sort of covers their head when looking at them from top down. Yeah, like a collar on the collar, depending on which direction you're looking at them from, they've got a little pattern that looks like either an M or a W. Or I suppose if they're sideways to you, it could look like a three or an E. But um, but anyway, it's (laughs) Sigma. Yeah, so look it up. It's really interesting.
0: If you're not really, I guess, knowledgeable about your ladybugs or Mm -hmm. um, not really paying attention, you no, know, a ladybug is a ladybug is a ladybug. And the thing that really throws people off, everybody thinks ladybugs are a red color with black spots. And that's not always the case. I mean, there are ladybugs that are all over the place, which the Harmonia are going to be usually some kind of shade of orangey reddish color. And they do have black spots, but they have that M or W or whatever. However, you're looking at it. Most people aren't looking that detailed at their ladybugs.
1: Right, right. And as you said, if they're outdoors, I mean, obviously they're, they're providing ecosystem benefits in, in terms of uh, feeding on pest insects on our lawn and ornamental plants. But these guys are sort of unique in that they'll come in to structures in mass as the uh, seasonal temps begin to cool, like during the fall and autumn of the year, like the period that we're going into now we are uh, we're mid-September now another month from now we'll start to probably get some calls of these accumulating in people's homes uh, in particular in the northern portion of the state so they overwinter indoors which is you know very different from our native species
0: that go find a hidey hole outside someplace
1: right these guys will come in in pretty significant numbers in some cases into houses and uh, that can be alarming for people and they can cause some problems when they do you know. They have a, this sort of odorous secretion that they release when they're defending themselves. Um, The idea is that this defends them from predators.
3: Yeah. It's like a real musty kind of a smell. People notice that like when they land on their hand, they always pee on you, but it's their little defense mechanism. And so if you, that happens and then you hold your hand to your nose, it's pretty strong. So if you've got a hundred of them in a corner and you know, your AC kicks on and it disturbs all of them, then that odor is pretty pungent.
1: If they're hanging out in a, in a house and somebody disturbs them, they're going to do that. And if they do, then they're likely to have staining from, from those materials. And some people have some allergic sensitivities to, to this secretion from what I understand.
0: Those little boogers can bite. <laughs> they can bite. Yeah.
1: Have you guys ever had
0: I haven't ever had them in my house, but my parents get them every single year. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I remember going up there and you literally have to cover your drink. Yeah. So because otherwise ladybugs will be diving into your drink. And like eating dinner, you have to kind of hover over your plate. So you're protecting because they're just flying mm-hmm. around everywhere. And it's just, it's crazy.
3: <laughs> there was a there was a time a couple of years ago, I'd say now, maybe, maybe more like four to five years ago, that there was Tons of those ladybugs. They just had this big explosion. And my father to this day complains about what happened four to five years ago because he was out doing work, um, messing with fences or whatnot. He was wearing, my guess, I think he's wearing a light colored shirt. He started getting sweaty. The sun was beating down on his back. And I think they were just attracted to the heat and that light object. And they were crawling all over his back and biting him through his shirt. I mean, he said it hurt. They have mouth parts, right? I always say, if if you put your finger in my mouth, I'm going to bite you too. So when they feel concerned, you know, they're kind of like birds. They use their mouth to test the waters and see where they are. But he, uh, he had a very bad experience with them that he Still cannot forget about.
0: The other big story that was out a couple of years ago and going around the internet was the picture of the ladybugs in the dog's mouth.
3: Yeah, that was the same year.
0: It's not normal. That wasn't a normal thing that happens. If you read more into that story, I believe that the owner of that dog was like, My dog eats everything and it's always chewing <laughs> on stuff. And these ladybugs, like we said, they secrete something and you think that a dog would spit it out and stop eating. I mean, I have a dog that constantly eats toads, even though it causes it to foam at the mouth. So, I mean, guess some dogs are just not going to learn, but you know, this dog is eating all of these ladybugs and then they're disturbed and secreting that and it's causing issues and they're reacting and they ended up like getting stuck on his mouth and they took him to the vet and the dog ended up being okay. But That's not a normal thing. It's not because I know a lot of people are like, I have dogs and they're coming in my house and my dog's going to get in big trouble. And it's just no, because most dogs are going to be smart enough to spit the stupid thing out when it secretes that stuff and it tastes bad.
1: Mm -hmm. Like you guys, I had so many folks call and want information about this particular situation when that photograph was going around and reporters too, you know, the news wanted to talk about it. And I just kept saying, look, go search for that image. Like do a Google search, ladybug beetles in dog's mouth. And you see the photograph and say now open images and the page would be 400 of the same image. Like there's not a group of photos of lots of dogs with lady, it's the one situation that occurred.
0: These beetles are not always a pest. So they're great when they're in the landscape. So not a pest there. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They only kind of turn into a pest when they start moving into homes. And if an insect is in a location that you don't want it, or it's doing something that you don't want it to do, that's typically when we say, yeah, it's being a pest at this point in time. This kind of leads us into our second topic that we're going to talk about today. And that is exclusion. And that is a great way to keep these insects outside where they belong, but you can use exclusion techniques pretty much for anything. I mean, well, other than like, you know, your children, if you want to keep them outside, that's kind of impossible, but you can use this for rodents. You could use this for cockroaches, spiders, anything, but there are a bunch of different things. So Janet, why do you exclude your home? I know that you are a big proponent of
2: this. You mean the queen of of exclusion is the solution? Because I don't like anything inside. This has to do more with exclusion. And when you're trying to keep any type of pest out, it's also sound house maintenance. So even if you're living in an apartment, I mean, making sure that nothing flies in from a door or a window. The weather's going to change here in a couple of weeks And what happens when the weather changes? It gets nice and all of us who don't maybe have allergies can open windows and sleep with the window open at night. But if your window's open and it it doesn't have a screen, certain things will crawl in and and move. So, you know, making sure you've got good screens. It's interesting because as my teammates here know that I uh, have a demonstration house where we do things like this. And I've got a couple of places that I need to do exclusion on, one of them being the round air vents that a lot of homes have when they have a good pitch. Got that opening and it's got slats, but most people don't realize that you probably need to be up in your attic and looking at what kind of mesh do you have. Those openings can also allow birds, bats, and bees to move in, For especially with, with this particular beetle species. Attics are their number one go to place. I mean, so figuring out, and it's kind of hard because we're talking very small, minute, but making it a deterrent so that insects and critters can't move in, but air
0: can move out. I was completely appalled the first time that I really went into an attic and I saw this giant, gaping hole where the vent was. And it was like, wow, shouldn't that be covered with something? (laughs) So, you know, it was it was kind of eye-opening, but if you're trying to keep out rodents as well as the insects or arthropods, I kind of recommend a two-layer approach. So doing stainless steel mesh screening, but doing a fine mesh and then putting the like what quarter inch stainless steel underneath that and putting both of those in there. That way it's blocking yep. the insects and the rodents.
3: Where do you guys find this mesh? Is it just like screening that you would find at Lowe's or Home Depot or is it special?
0: No, you can find it at the The box box stores
2: and or your favorite internet provider that you buy from. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, it, it just all depends, but that's like good maintenance, window ceiling and caulk around windows, especially here in Texas, because we shift so much.
0: And when you're buying sealant for around your windows and stuff, get stuff that is going to expand yep. with the seasons. I mean, this year is kind of prime example for that. We went to freezing temperatures to 102. So you're going to need something that is going to be able to shift and expand throughout those temperatures.
3: Oh, there's a whole art and science to sealants. I think I heard one time that if you can slide a dime through that crack, then that's big enough for a cockroach to fit through. If you can slide a quarter through that crack, the skinny side of the quarter, right? Then in a, one of those big American cockroaches can fit through. And if a deck of cards can fit through, uh, then that's big enough for a rodent. Is that about right?
2: I've never heard that analogy, but that, that is perfect. Dime, quarter, deck of cards.
3: Because I've always heard credit card. But the point is, it doesn't take a lot, right? sounds about weep hole width, which is about a quarter of an inch, right? And that's about all they need to squeeze their little heads in. Okay, so Robert, you brought up another
0: place that we need to look to exclude, and those are weep holes. So you need to start off by saying first, what is a weep hole, and second, how would we go about excluding those?
1: So weep holes. I think a lot of folks are they're so new homeowners haven't thought about this before. They're surprised to learn that along the bottom course of bricks or stone, essentially wherever the exterior veneer, whatever that material is, meets the slab, concrete slab on a a slab home. There's a series of holes that allow moisture to escape. Those holes allow moisture to escape, but, but they're about the size of the deck of card width that Molly mentioned. And they also allow lots of things to get in that we don't want in our home. So there's a variety of different ways to enclose those. The trick is, though, you want to do it in such a manner that it still allows the weep hole to function in the manner that it was designed to, you know, to allow moisture to escape. So a lot of people will take like Brillo pads, copper mesh pads, um, and, and jam them in there. But that's fine. But a lot of times they really, really crunch them up and put a lot of material in there. So I wonder sometimes if that allows them to breathe properly, um, certainly keep the insects out and other organisms, but they also make weep hole covers. So you can actually buy these inserts that anybody, something they don't need, but, but they do make these, they're convenient and they have vents that are very tiny that allow the, the weep hole cover to allow the moisture to escape, but prevent other organisms or organisms from getting in. So that is definitely something to think about.
0: So, you could also, if you wanted to put a little extra protection in there before you put the weep hole covers on, you can put a little bit of pesticidal dust in there, mm. either a DE or something that is a contact. Um, yeah. It, but you want to make sure that one, you don't put a whole bunch in there. You don't want to make it look like it's snowed. You want just a very light, kind of translucent cover and then put that weep hole cover on. Perfect. So Molly, what about, Janet talked about stuff getting in through the attic. How do they get up there?
3: Trees. Throughout Texas, most people have some pretty tall trees, oak trees and others. And when those limbs and branches hang over the house and those insects fall off or jump off or crawl off and then make their way into the house. And there's even animals that you would not imagine would do that. So you know, when people say, I have these roaches or these scorpions or something on my second story, and I don't know how they got up there. I never saw them crawling up the stairs. Well, they came from the upstairs in most likely. There are lots of insects that will crawl up those trees and then drop off or even live in the gutters if they're clogged up and then make their way into your house.
2: Attics are just self- I mean, something can get on your roof and pick a vent, any vent.
3: Yeah. attics are quiet. They're Well, they're hot and humid, I guess, but they're just like a safe haven for lots of things to find harborage in.
0: Well, if you think they're dark, Mm -hmm. they're quiet. I mean, even if they're cooler in the wintertime, they still have insulation that those things can go and kind of snuggle in the insulation that you got in there. It's like prime habitat.
3: (laughs) Yes. We didn't talk about windows. Sc- I mean, Janet touched on window screens, but making sure that your window screens fit properly. I mean, over time, they all get kind of bent and warped, but also if you have rips or tears in your window screen, patching those up or replacing the whole thing if you can, because I don't, I don't think we realize how much those, even if we don't ever open our windows, we may not realize how much those window screens provide a barrier, like a secondary barrier from keeping insects from crawling into the house.
0: Probably something else is what you may have outside your house piled up and moving that away from the structure. I know in the wintertime, a lot of people like to put their firewood stacked up right up against the back door. And it makes it really easy and handy for when you want to bring that firewood inside of the house to start a fire but it makes it easier for them to come inside and, you know, they may come
3: inside when you're carrying it as well. Yeah. I had a lady just this week who gave me an insect. She didn't know what it was. And she said, I don't know where they're coming from, but we find at least one every single day in our house. And it was a locust bore. And I said, well, do you have firewood right up next to the house? And she said, yeah. And we have firewood in the house as decoration. I'm like, well, that's probably where they're coming from, but you'll get some, just some odd things. She's
2: Well, that and sometimes it's also if you're transitioning, you know, I do put some plants out on the back porch and then I bring them in. But I I know to to check stuff before I bring it in the house.
0: Yeah. So anytime that you're bringing something in the house, you definitely want to inspect it. That is especially if you are buying secondhand furniture, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you want to make sure. That you inspect that thoroughly because you could bring in things like bugs or German cockroaches or sometimes silverfish if you're buying like a bunch of books or magazines or something like that. So always inspect your items before you bring them into your house. The other thing that we probably need to cover is door thresholds. So weather stripping and door thresholds around doors. If you can see daylight around your door from the inside of your house, then essentially you're not getting a good seal and you need to make sure that you fix that either replace the weather stripping or replace the door threshold, or sometimes depending on what kind of door you have, it may be the door sweep, which is the little part on the bottom of the door that kind of seals thing over that sill plate. Those are all places that you need to
3: kind of keep an eye out as well. Yeah. I think the door sweeps are a gigantic one. I think that that's my, at least in my house, that's where all the bugs get in. My husband's always like, why do we have so many insects here? Can't you do something about it? And I'm like, how about you do something about the big giant strip? I can see of sun coming through the bottom of the door.
1: Right. And that, that actually happens fast in our house. We've got a couple that need to be replaced, but our house is just a few years old. So so those can break down really quickly.
0: If you think about how many times that people are going in and out of that door and the amount of abuse that it's taking by going back and forth, back and forth. And if you get something stuck under there, then it can snag. And it's definitely something that it needs to be replaced when it gets damaged. That way you can keep stuff outside. Right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Unwanted Guests. Keep insects and other unwanted pests outside where they belong by excluding your home. Late summer and early fall is a great time to do this, but exclusion can be done at any time of the year. For more information, go to extensionentomology.tamu.edu. Catch you next time.